This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by the wonderful Manchester United legend, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Brilliant stuff, I should say, as always. We're brought to you with classic football shirts. Keep listening to find out at the 10% discount what we normally give. Um, and also going to be announcing a competition this week on the um, pod, so yeah, keep listening for that. Um, Paul start with a big statement then. You said on last week's podcast, win the next two games and United could put themselves in a title race, which was, I felt, a big statement at the time. And obviously we'll talk about the various strands of that and what that means, the implications, and and where they stand and how how that might come about. But you've been watching the United games. You've also seen um, Liverpool win at Palace this weekend. Once you've put all this into the picture, you've seen United win the two games in the way that they have done. Um, what, what's your feeling now, um, a week before Christmas, of this crazy season? Um, well, they're in. They're in the race to try and to try and win it. Um, I won't come out and say they've got a, ch- a great chance of winning it because um, I still don't think they're not. They're not better than Liverpool. Mm. Um, they're just not. It's as simple as that. You just look at Liverpool and what they're doing. Even though they're they're still they're missing players, but they've got still got that bit about them. They're organised. Um, they know what each other's doing. Um, they communicate. Um, they've got a pattern to play. Um, and after seeing them twice, Liverpool now in um, a short space of time, you can just see what they what they have got. 
Um, but United have done well to get to put themselves in there. No one ever thought that they would uh, you'd be coming out and saying United could win a league because mm-hmm. it's there in front of them. An opportunity, you know, there's only a few points in between. No one expected it to be like this at all. But it's it's life in general at the moment. So they are they are in the race. I did say that, and um, I still don't believe they are good enough. They're definitely not. They're definitely a no better team than what Liverpool are. Mm, yeah, would like I said, we'll talk about the implications of that. I just thought because it was the big statement that you made at the end of the podcast, and I thought, well, because you said it and we won the games, it's better to start off addressing that. And it is very interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting week for United, um, and one of those rare ones. Um, glory, glory be that we won two games and we can talk about it, and it's all positive. So. Sheffield United was the first one. A couple of big goal, uh, calls from Ollie this week in both of the games, really, because of the way that the both of the um, selections went in and out. So uh, Dean Henderson in, Paul Pogba in, both came out against Leeds, but obviously they came in against Sheffield United, which were big calls. I talk about the game itself. United were seemingly going nowhere. They had that um, early catastrophe of the goal that was conceded. Henderson not really done any favours by Maguire, but mm. neither by Lindelof. I thought well, both of them put him under needless pressure. We've seen this time and time and time again. We play this game that we're not good at playing, and that's deep from the back. But that wasn't a necessary pass that Maguire needed to play. There were there are options other than playing it back to the goalkeeper. Um, United turned it around though um, I wouldn't say that they looked like they were going anywhere until Lindelof it's this long pass and Rashford's first touch is exquisite the second shot um, the second touch is the shot which is magnificent absolutely brilliant and then a little bit of element of fortune about the Martial goal I thought I, I'm still not completely convinced if Pogba meant that pass if he did it was brilliant and you wouldn't discount him being able to do it he just didn't look like he meant that pass when you watch the game mm. certainly when you watch Martial's um, the first the first glance it looks brilliant because it looks like he's dummied the goalkeeper and rolled it in the second touch the second glance you know it, it's not really brilliant the goalkeeper's made a bit of a fluff on it and I think that's Pogba and Martial's United career all over isn't it you look at it you think was that as good as I think it was and hope it was and then you look at it a little bit later and you're thinking maybe not or maybe you're trying to convince yourself that it was second half complacent a little bit and played some really good football but didn't kill them off they came back into it late on a bit of a disaster from head, um, Lindelof again heading against um, the, the United player for, for a 3-2 win which should have been more comfortable than, than it was but still entertaining and some good goals in there Paul um, a lot to pick the bones out of really for considering that United have been such a poor team but you did say in last week's uh, podcast they weren't losing games by a big margin and they were going to give it a go and they, they certainly did that didn't they yeah they did um, <clears throat> yeah they're not they haven't suddenly become just bad I think they're missing one or two players I think they just maybe need a win to give them a belief that they can do something um, Sheffield United I don't think they're going to go down without having a fight <clears throat> I think they've proven that all season they're willing to have a fight um, but United played them and they just about got over the line in the end but when you talk about the first goal and I've been saying it for a long long time Harry Maguire passes the buck. Mm. He puts so much on a goalkeeper 
who is learning his trade for Manchester United. Forget what he's done at Sheffield United, where he'd done fantastic. He's trying to learn his trade to become a number one for United, a completely different position to be in um, as a number one. And Harry Maguire, just again, I'm in trouble, you can have it. And that's, and that's what he does a hell of a lot. Both do it, he does it, uh, Lindelof does it. And I'm just surprised nothing is said. Why isn't someone pushing their fingers in their face and telling them not to bottle it? Not to put someone else in the crap when they're in the crap. Is, is, is that something that should come from Ollie, though? Because, I mean, obviously this is something that we've been playing. I, I know what you're saying, I completely agree about the individual responsibility, and that's ultimately what it boils down to. But the, the game plan is obviously played around the back, and we're not suited to that. I mean, we knew that goals like that would be coming. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not suited to it. Again, I use these words. Who who is who brought this one up about Harry Maguire being his footballer mm. from the back? He runs with the ball. That's all he does. He runs and runs and runs. So I'm still I'm still not getting that one. I need someone to really convince me. Show me something. Show me slides. Do me something just to try and prove me wrong. And if I'm proved wrong, I'll eat a humble pie. But. I really don't think I am, to be perfectly honest. Um, so he, he put he put the goalkeeper in limbo, big time, and, and there you are. The goalkeeper was left in the lurch, and bang, he goes and concedes. Last thing he wanted to do, coming back to where he, he made his name, and United are in a little bit of trouble for a little while. There's a you know a big aspect. All the talk of coming about having to come from behind again, and but they get themselves out of jail, fortunately enough. Mm. Yeah, and and we came, you know, we did come good, some good football in there. Ironically, I thought the better football that we played was in the second half, and we just weren't clinical enough. I know we, yes, we we killed the game off and we won the game, so you can't really complain. But I felt that they were, we could have possibly done a little bit better. Um, and I, I do wonder if that influenced selection for for Saturday because uh, for Sunday because because United need to have a different approach at home, and we'll talk about the selection for that in a moment, but. He dropped Pogba for the, the Leeds game, um, and obviously recalled the hair. I, I was a little bit concerned, Paul. I'll, I'll be honest. When when I saw the Anderson selection, I thought, "Oh, you've dropped the hair," and he hasn't really. You know, I, I was worried that it was a bigger um, a bigger thing than what it was. To be fair, and it you know. De Gea came in and yeah, he conceded two goals, but he also played very well against uh, Leeds. I was worried it'd be bigger than what it was because you see Anderson make a mistake like that and you think, oh, the pressure's going to be on him now. And it was a needless thing to put him in in that game. He didn't really need to do that, and it puts a lot of pressure on now. So when people are now going to be looking at De Gea, the question will come up again. It always does. Someone will say, should De Gea be in the team? And someone will now use that Anderson um, thing against him. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously he's got to give Anderson some games. Um, all in all, we've come through both of them unscathed. Was it an unnecessary risk from from Solskjaer? Do you think he might have created more problems for himself in the long term with that, or do you think it's more a case of just the, one of those like like we've said? Obviously, a massive amount of responsibility of that goes to the the defenders who didn't help Dean. Um, is he just one of those things like it's quite good to see that Dean actually to be fair to him he made a couple of good saves after that so he actually showed a good testament of his character to recover I would say first and foremost I think Ollie made a mistake by dropping him mm. I don't know whether he's allowed sentiment 
to judge his thinking and say, oh, well, he's, he played here, I play him. Yeah, yeah. When in theory, what is he's, what he's doing is just starting a long-term problem yeah. between him and De Gea, between the two keepers, or between those two, allowing people to make their minds up because some people are coming out and saying, oh, he's been dropped and this and before that game. People are going, that's what's happening. And, and you know, it doesn't work out that way, but... I just think he's make, making a rod for his own back. Yeah, he did that's that by thought, yeah. he, he did that by giving him Henderson this new new contract, lots and lots of money for someone, and virtually people saying, well, you can't sit down, sit down on the bench with that kind of money. So straight away that puts him under pressure with De Gea, so he can't keep mucking about of them for certain games. The, the defense has got enough problems already without having an issue where goalkeepers gets changed every four or five games. Mm. So he needs to make his mind up. He needs to be a stronger man, to be perfectly honest, and stand up and be willing to, to not say, I can keep everyone happy, because it's an impossible task mm. to keep everyone happy. And if that's the road he's going down, it isn't going to work. He's going to upset too many people. And, uh, you know, he's, I saw the way he was with the hair after the game yesterday, and you can see there's something between them, but... I think I think it's wrong in what he's trying to do, trying to keep two goalkeepers happy. It doesn't work. Yeah. And also, it just seemed like an unnecessary risk, you know. For me, I looked at it and I thought, it almost seems like you're trying to say the goalkeeper's the problem in that defence, when he's definitely not. Um, he might be a problem, um, and he might become the main problem, but there's another problem, and it's right in front of him. Um and I just think sort that one out before you start pointing the finger elsewhere. And by chopping and changing unnecessarily, you are kind of fueling that fire of press speculation. It's, it's come off fine at the moment, but I do wonder if long-term it's going to create a bigger problem if mm. you start saying, oh, you're going to put Anderson in for this or that game. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough call, and, and to be fair... Oli, you're absolutely right. I think he's developed an affinity with this squad now and he's a bit reluctant to make the harsher decisions that he once was. Um, having said that, obviously, we'll see how that transpires when um, when there's a transfer window open and he's making the more ruthless decisions. Um, but he certainly made one against Leeds. I still think dropping Pogba and not even playing him at all we, I've been saying for weeks, but I don't want to come out and say, oh, I was right, because I'm, I'm not saying that I am. But I, I have been saying, I think United need to be playing the game in front of them and not just the fact that they're playing at Old Trafford. And and we did that on, on Sunday. I saw a lot of people were unhappy with that lineup. They said, oh, it's too uh, reactive, it's too pragmatic, you're sitting for a counter-attack. But really, United need to be playing those kind of games. I'm not saying, oh, in that occasion... You've got Leeds, who were obviously going to play the same kind of game. And, and when you look at how it transpired, from the minute they set off, we nobody was quite sure what to expect. I think Leeds thought they could have a go at United, so they came straight out for it. And they were punished immediately, uh, which obviously their approach was music to United's ears. You know, And we saw how good we can be when we're clinical when we're switched on and we're ready for it. Um, we'll talk about McTominay in particular in a moment, but the performance, Paul, um, in a way, I don't think that you get as clinical a performance like that if Paul Pogba's playing. So maybe, you know, it's the right... You know, it sounds stupid to say he shouldn't be playing against a team like Leeds at home, but maybe he shouldn't, and the result 
is the proof of that. Um, were you impressed with how United played yesterday? I think it was more good fortune than actually planned, to be perfectly honest, because that team was set up to sit deep <clears throat> and two holding players. And then when you suddenly find that Leeds are going to be stupid and defend in a, or attack in, a, in the manner in which they thought they could do inside the first few minutes of everyone bombing forward and doing this, then they got caught out twice by a defensive player, then you know that Leeds had it completely wrong. Mm. It's, as, it's as simple as that. And Oli, Oli was lucky enough to fall onto his feet with that situation and it helped the game because if it doesn't materialise that way, then United would have then had maybe one of their further tra- um, tr- further troubled games at Old Trafford. But because Leeds come out and thought they could just play the, game, the same game they played against Newcastle, then it kind of killed them because of they didn't just sit back. They they went forward because they had nothing to do. Mm. They had nothing to they had nothing to do sitting deep, so they had to squeeze on. And then when McTominay gets the opportunity just to run forward and to keep running and then to shout, give me the ball, and there you are. Yeah. It's as simple, you know, it's as simple as that. So I think Ollie fell on his feet that he didn't just decide with those two players, oh, they're gonna attack, because in all the games they've played together, they've never ever been told that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Um, but you know, you've got—it's one of those things, isn't it? Catch twenty-two. You can only beat what's in front of you. And United did that with um, some distinction. They scored, like I said, McTominay come upon his own in a moment. <clears throat> but two great goals from him. Um, Fernandez with a fantastic goal. Lindelof scoring as well. Um, the clinical side of United's play, for once it was good to see them put away the chances. Do you think that's... I don't want to be negative after a 6-2 win because we did play some good football. Um, are you putting that one down to Leeds' naivety more, more than United being brilliant? Um, I'm going to say... On the balance I'm, of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say a mix between the yeah, two, yeah. to be perfectly honest. It could have been more if Martial was a clinical finisher. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know that if he was a clinical fisher, fini- fisher, he's not fisher, <laughs> finisher, then we know that straight away he'd be he'd be worth one hundred and fifty thousand, hundred fifty million, I should say. <laughs> yeah, he might struggle sometimes. One hundred fifty thousand yeah. for him. Cr- yeah, he, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> he has. Sometimes he has played like that. But he, he just he's just not a clinical finisher when it comes down to it, and he just. You can just see the ones that he misses, and you just you do scratch your head sometimes. You do really scratch your head, and then when you see his face when he's taken off, and you think to yourself, "But you must know why, and yeah. you must see why." And he's, and then all of a sudden you say to yourself, "Nope, he's never going to see why, never." Yeah, I think that's a good point actually because he doesn't see it. He just sulks like, and mm. I, I don't mean this like um, just to jump on the Marseille sulks bandwagon, but. He, We've had him for a number of years now, and there's been. This is. I still think that Martial in his first season is Martial now. You've not really seen that much of a progression in him. You just thought that he was the finished article when he came, and he's been trading off that ever since. And I'm like, you know, there's going to be come a time at United where Ollie will be ruthless, and it is on occasions like yesterday where he took him off. Um, you know. Maybe that's not ruthless. Maybe that's resting him for for the games that are coming up. But um, yeah, I did think, especially that um, the 
the one early in the second half where he went through and he did such good work before he, he got there and then head down head down and, and missed quite a comfortable chance at least hit the target from that but yeah he was um, he was okay in the, in the general build up play he was quite good but um, but yeah his finishing wasn't wasn't great yesterday but someone who, who was um, great with his finishing was Scott McTominay I think obviously you're going to have an argument to say that's his best performance for the club two beautiful goals the first one wonderfully <laughs> the second one you've even got an argument that the second one's better because he's gone through the, con- the step over um, he's just perfect sometimes in a game of football things like that happen perfectly and, and that certainly did for United on that occasion uh, and McTominay did really well obviously we've both gone on record the same you know reservations about whether or not we win a title with Scott McTominay as our starting central midfielder but he did show Paul even if it was against Leeds and even if they did give him the space to do it he did show that he had the quality to do that and maybe those goals and playing the way that he did will take the Fletcher comparison away um, it might help him become Scott McTominay that he's supposed to be rather than comparing him to someone else and to be fair although we've both gone on record as voicing those reservations about him I think at least yesterday we showed that at least there's something better to come from him as well yeah I think you saw that he can maybe do that I don't know if he'll be given the opportunity to do that again by by lesser size and leads in the division because they'll be a little bit more assured in how they go about their jobs yeah. when they come to Old Trafford. <clears throat> but when it was in front of him, he's gone and grabbed it. I still believe that for United to be really successful, he's he's not going to be a regular starter. Mm, no. Depending on how you categorise categorise a, a regular starter nowadays because everyone, they want them to be a squad player because mm. they're scared about saying too much in case that player's agent knocks on their door and things like that so it's very difficult when you say that but I was just saying ask the manager to name his best 11 to win him a cup final against say Real Madrid and then we find out the players who he thinks the players who are his best players yeah having said that though with this squad you might put Scott <laughs> in there I think you, you you know when you look at that collection of midfielders certainly at the moment I think I'm not saying that... We're talking about two different standards. First of all, the standard in this squad, which I think McTominay and Fred have probably worked their way to being the starters again. Um, Although you would say on quality, quality, Matic and Pogba are in front of them. So it's a bit of a conundrum for for Ollie at the moment, Paul. Uh, Where do you go with this? Because obviously, Paul... Pogba's recent upturn in performances if you want to call it an upturn I still think they're like 6 or 7s out of 10 um, rather than 5s which is an upturn in itself but it doesn't say he's the, the star man that everyone thinks he is do you think that this is kind of like a shop window kind of thing like Dan James's inclusion from the start yesterday it seemed to be like this is what he can do does someone want to take him in January kind of thing that's what it felt like to me and I wonder if um United are still better off with that with Paul uh, with Paul Pogba or do you think it's going to be a case of um, rotating all of them until the end of the season I, I still don't know I look at it and I think I'm more convinced by McTominay and Fred just because not because they're particularly brilliant but because they're the best of that midfield and because when they play we look more solid 
if mm. that makes sense. Not solid, it might be the wrong word, but um, we look more cohesive as a unit. Mm, I'm, I'm still a, a little bit wanting to see Van, um, Danny van der Beek play. Oh, yeah, van der Beek. You know, I'm looking for him to get a run, an opportunity to prove he's worthy. He hasn't. I think there's something going on now. Yeah. I really do believe there's something's going on now. I'm not the only one saying it. Mm. But it does seem a bit strange when you see somebody with so much talent and when he comes on and what he does and yet he never never gets the opportunity to start and you think yourself this this game and you think yourself right. But yet when <clears throat> when Daniel James starts in front of him against Leeds, you say to yourself, Come on now. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. To be point. perfectly honest. Yeah. It's just I'm saying it. How many others are saying it? And I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel James couldn't believe his luck that he's starting before him as well. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't think about it. And honestly, that, <laughs> I think it shows where Van der Beek is in the the pecking order. That mm. I didn't even include him in that. Um, but he, he, you're absolutely right. Um, we we need to see. We definitely need to see what a midfield looks like with him in it to, yeah. to be given a proper run um, because obviously he looks like he's got the talent he, he looks like he's got all the things that were missing really from, from that kind of midfielder so um, you've got him and not playing him um, well I talked about the, the negative sides of yesterday and I don't really want to dwell on them too much because we've won we've won handsomely against a bit of rival um, but one, one little note um, in the early moments before we made it three I still felt there was a little bit of vulnerability in defence. They felt like they might get at us, and there were a couple of moments where Bamford pulled away from Lindelof. I think we were lucky that Bamford tried to take it on his wrong foot a couple of times. Um, but the space he was getting inside of Lindelof was a little bit concerning for me, Paul. Um, I don't want to. People are going to think that I'm picking on Lindelof every single week, but I, I look at him and I think that when, when you see that United's errors are caused. Well, United have errors, and if. <coughs> Lindelof is generally present in, in those moments where you know where the errors are present um, and when they're, when they're made it does make you more concerned a little bit about it um, do you, obviously you've gone on record as saying Twan Zabi should be playing in front of Lindelof anyway um, is there anything at the moment because and we also know that Solskjaer is one of those that won't pull the trigger unless absolutely necessary unless like we saw against the the Gea thing which was why that was so confusing do you think that um, there's going to be a time in the short term that he's going to say Lindelof out uh, to do you think he needs to do that before before there's a disaster there or do you think he's better off staying with it as it is until um, let's say January when or the summer when um, he can get a, re- a replacement in I think Ollie's just sit with it until maybe there's an injury yeah. and then he's forced to do something I don't think he wants to change it too much for some unknown reason. When there is a problem with um, Lindelof, as there's a problem with wan and he's defending, because yeah. he, he allows too many balls to go over the back of him, mm. which, I've, I've, you know, which he should never do that, but sometimes you need someone that right-hand centre-half to reminding you of your job. I, don't think Lind- I think Lindelof's got so many worries in his game that he's got no time to be telling anyone else that there's, there's a there's a concern over their right shoulder. Yeah, I was going to think that. How much of one percent? And again, please, if someone's listening to this, just thinking I'm picking on Lindelof. I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm curious about the implications of this. And Paul, you're, you were a right back, played 
with definite distinction. You're a big fan of Wan-Bissaka. We both acknowledged that Aaron hasn't played very well this season. Can we put a lot of that down to the fact that um, the the defense isn't very good around him? You know, we mentioned in the the Leipzig game. I, you know, I said this, didn't I? I went on record as saying. I, I honestly believe that that one was Lind- Lindelof's fault. I know Wan Bissaka didn't play well in the game, but I, I felt that that goal, like I said, a bad defense looks like a bad defense when um, you know other people are getting the blame for someone else's errors, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it enough for for Wambasaka to hide behind the fact that Lindelof isn't you know a great defender? Or does you know does he have to sort of share in the responsibility of that and say do you know I need to improve my own game as well? I think he definitely has to improve his own game, but he needs help from Lindelof and maybe from the goalkeeper as well. Yeah, I don't know if the goalkeeper say anything to him, but I know Lindelof isn't. Mm. And Lindelof's first priority should be my man. And then he looks around, well, what happens if my man makes a run in behind? Is, is, um, is Wan-Bissaka there? And then he should have a look up. And then he should make Wan-Bissaka aware. Wan-Bissaka might turn around and say to him, God, I know that already. Mm. But still, he's just making sure. That's all it is. Big Pete was one of them. Brucey was one of them. Just to make sure. Always that you know there's someone over your shoulder. Mm. Sometimes you didn't know. But you made out to them you did. And in the back of your head, you're saying, thank God for that. Mm. You know, that you got a reminder because you could have been embarrassed. So um, he needs help. There's no communication across their back line. They play as individuals. Mm. Every time you put them together, those four, they play as individuals. Mm. They're like people trapped trapped inside their own little bubbles and they're bouncing around. And, you know, how many times did he step inside um, Luke Shaw? become like a centre-half standing next to Harry Maguire so so many times. I think he's suddenly playing in that three. He wants to be a, a centre-half now yeah. because he's, he's, you watch him as a left-back in a moment, the game changed a little bit when he went off. Yeah. When, yeah. Te, when Tellers come on, it changes an attacking game. It changed. Runs forward were much better. He got involved in the play going forward as well. So you can I see already... He's an improvement on the left back position. So why isn't he playing regular? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. I'm just, not, I'm just not understanding it. I, I will say though, Paul. Although I agree 100, percent and although it shouldn't have to be this way, Luke Shaw has improved um, massively. Apart from the fact that we have seen there are those positioning brain farts that he has. His, his level of play and his crossing and everything like that is so much better than what it was which is it does bring the other question is why wasn't it like this for four years before um, but I, you know I am in agreement with you Tellers improves the game and it is a good point you, you mentioned about Wambasaka and how, how much is he thinking about what's happening elsewhere because you're absolutely right if, if it's not just the Leipzig game He's likely to be thinking, well, this could happen at any time. I've got to be looking, and Lindelof might be losing his man, so he's not only thinking. I mean, let's be frank about this. In terms of natural ability as defenders, Wambasaka's easily got more than anyone there So, uh, in that back line that we've got at the moment. So we we know that. So why is he struggling defensively? It might well be because of the fact that he's now having to think, I'm not only worried about my man. If, if my man... He doesn't have to beat me anymore. He can just slide it in behind me because Lindelof's not picking his man up. It's a lot of responsibility to put on a on a young player. Um, mm. 
this situation, Paul, you talked about the um, the title um, position at the moment, but it reminds me very much of the Christmas of 2015 when <coughs> we were knocked out with the Champions League. We lost to Bournemouth. We're six points behind Leicester City at the top of the table. Mourinho was sacked at Chelsea, and he was obviously going to come to United, and Van Gaal's position was like coming to an end. Everyone knew that that was going to happen. And Woodward, for whatever reason, he decided to say, we'll just wait until the end of the season. And the opportunity to win a winnable league was gone. Now, you've mentioned Liverpool, and Liverpool um, are a much stronger and formidable force than what... um, Leicester were um, they're the standout team in the league it's obvious that they are the, the team to be um, the right teams at the top of the table and they're going to be you know, leading the way now so I don't from this position expect a title push but what I will say is I think we've been given a second chance to correct what went wrong in the summer um, you, you know now with the winter now you can see the difference that a good defender would make we've already we've gone over that you can tell just a competent defender even Twan Zebi you mentioned um, in a previous podcast that he's proactive with the ball and he brings the play forward and our defenders don't always um, do that they they sort of pass it back to, to the goalkeeper and put him under pressure instead now, so obviously you can see the difference a good defender's going to make I did say that I thought at the start of the season that we were in need of improvement to consolidate the position as the third best team in the league. So obviously if we were to make all these signings that we've talked about, that we are obviously big holes in the side, like the defender, like the winger, like the forward, possibly another defensive midfielder, I'd be like, yep, we can probably challenge for the title. But at least we could get one or two of them in January. I just think, having got this position now, which nobody expected to have it would be stupid to throw it away again and I I say this position I'm still not quite sure what this position is but based on my minimum hope and expectation consolidating Champions League football it feels like that opportunity is there in January Paul and I wonder do you have the same worries as me do you do you look at it for the rest of the season thinking oh with the right signings we could challenge for a title or with the right signings we could really make sure that we didn't mess up the start of the season because we've got this second chance at it we can really finish like second or third that's there for us if only we we get the right recruitments in January well I don't know what the right signings are whose signings are they are they Mr Ego signings are they Ollie's signings so um (laughs) you might end up getting a great defender but he's like Van der Beek on on the sidelines yeah so I I really don't know what's possible really and as we've seen already yeah if we go and sign somebody but never go and play them so um I really don't know but they're in a great position and it's an opportunity to go and achieve bit I mean for me there was nothing better yesterday than seeing Spurs lose and then United win and United take their place push push them down further out out of the spot so that was quite good to see in that part of it but um because two weeks ago everyone was talking about Spurs winning the league and then suddenly you find out you can't win the league playing like that it's impossible to win the league like that as Manchester United found you can't sit there in the position say being 1-0 up or 0-0 and hope that the team are going to give you a shot for you to win 1-0 yeah. so um, so that was that was good to see anyway but 
they're in a great position to go and achieve something now and sometimes signings can ruin it but then a lot of, most times it can improve it but it's about what you go and do and it's a sign in which everyone goes wow and then that person comes in and is a regular yeah and it's not someone who you say oh he's got to earn the right someone who comes in and is a wow signing he's a signing which ollie wants and there's and to be honest it's got to be a signing which um which which obviously boosts the ego of the person who's in control of things at the moment. So we'll have to wait and see what agents pop up on his phone. Yeah, uh, probably Rayola. <laughs> um, or, or not, he'll probably just talk to the press. Um, yeah, it is a difficult one. I really don't know what to make of it, um, where we are. All I know is that we're in a position that he expects us to throw away, and I don't mean that being a negative football fan. I just mean in the... The summer, uh, that winter that I talked about where Van Gaal was obviously going to get sacked. I'm not saying that Mourinho was ever the right man for the job, but if you were going to bring him in like we were going to bring him in, the league was winnable at that chance, and we didn't take it. And then when we finished second, we never backed Mourinho. Um, I'm again, not saying Mourinho was the right man for the job, but you just give him a big contract and he didn't back him properly. And then we went from second to nowhere again. And Solskjaer... This summer we finished in the Champions League places. We didn't get the proper recruitments in, and somehow the stupid league has presented us with the chance to do something good at this season. I just worry that January's coming round and we're just gonna throw it away again uh, when it's there for us to consolidate what we've got. And I mean, maybe that's the key. It's not oh yes, let's go for the title now, let's get carried away and go for the title. Maybe it's, look, in this period of inconsistency, we need to consolidate and be consistent, which finishing second or third would definitely um, be um, constitute. And on that point, Paul, we've got the League Cup this week. Everton, um, don't get me wrong, it's a quarter-final, I want to win. But I do worry, and again, this is the natural worry in me coming out, that in some ways I think progress in this competition is a false indication. <coughs> everyone used to say, um, everyone used to say that you win the League Cup and it's the start of a, a sort of dynasty. Fergie, Fergie doing it um, just before we won the league, with, with obviously with you in the team. Um, Mourinho doing it at Chelsea, Fergie doing it again in 2006. But I do think people put a little bit too much um, emphasis on that, P- particularly when you look at Oli saying you know, last season was two semi-finals and that was progress from the year before and that's the truth, I believe in that, but if you don't add to that with a serious trophy, and I, and I say serious trophy as the FA Cup or more than that, then people will use two semi-finals as failure, and even though if you said to me from this point Champions League football and a League Cup win I would be inclined to say, yeah, that's a successful season. I don't think the perception of it is going to be too favourable to Ollie. So, I just wonder, Paul, do you, how would you look on this? I mean, it's a cup to win, so obviously me saying anything other than winning it um, would would be sacrilege to someone like you who won so much for United. But are United almost better off? You know, is it any good to them if they get to another semi-final or final and don't win it? Is it better to just sort of exit at this stage after two games free in the new year and try and stake that claim for the Champions League space um, again? Am, am I being too pessimistic with that? Um, 
And I'm going to say a little bit yes. <laughs> I think when you look at there's certain players within that squad who haven't played in the final, haven't had an opportunity to win a medal. So the opportunity to go <clears throat> to go and beat Everton and to get in a semi-final would make such a difference to them to go and achieve that. Because every time, any time you think about winning the league again, that seems to be out the window. So there's an opportunity still to win something. I don't think you can just chop it in and just put put your leg, all your eggs in one basket. Really, mm. I think you have to still go for everything. I mean, I still can't figure out why you can't. We done it using 15, 16 players. They've got 20 odd players now, and they're still saying it's too many games, too many things to go for, mm. which I find really strange. But um, that's because most people keep telling them they're tired all the time. So um, it's a difficult one, really. But I think the majority want to. The Everton game's quite big in a way. At least it's a, it's a you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big game. And it gives everyone belief that if they get through that, they're in the semi-final. And it's a wonderful feeling to play in the semi-final. Yeah. Um, yeah, we shall see. Um, wrap up the podcast previewing the games I don't think there'll be a podcast next week because it's a couple of days after Christmas so after Christmas week off but let's have a look at the, the league games that we've got the first one's going to be Boxing Day at Leicester um, Leicester doing well again after that 2-0 win at Spurs which like you said had um, more than just a, a little degree of comfort they were very very good and, and Spurs were very bad um, so that's the first game and then United have got two home games after that against Wolves and Aston Villa uh, two games like we said over the last week similar to that that you know you think oh, if United win they're in a really good position and you do think Paul that um, seven points from those three games let's say a draw at Leicester and the following two the following two games after that one that that would be a very good Christmas for United yeah it would be yeah without a doubt I mean this is so important really I don't know how Christmas is going to be for a lot of these players this season compared to last season and previous ones mm. how it's going to compare um, I think it's going to be even more difficult than what it than what it is normally for a footballer over the period of time um, but it's but at the end of the day the one thing that will be in their mindset will be football there's nothing else to nothing else to think about yeah. so as a supporter as a supporter I think supporters the one thing they do they will know is their players' mind is on their games because there's, there's not a lot else for them to be thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Do you expect, I mean, how would you expect it to go for United? You obviously, you've got Leicester away, Wolves at home, Villa at home. Do you reckon seven is a, we said it's a good, a good outcome for United. Do you think that's a reasonable thing to expect? I'm going to say to stay unbeaten. Yeah? Stay unbeaten. Because they're, they're tough games, by the way. When you talk about Wolves, and Wolves you just don't you know they're, they're unpredictable Wolves they could yeah. come and dominate you without realising it they just they could do that Villa Villa I would expect United to beat Villa Leicester away is the one really you know their front line that worries me the movement in that front line really concerns me with a lack of communication in the back line for Manchester United and Vardy if he if he goes up up, up against um, Maguire we could embarrass him. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that a couple of times that teams are targeting that space around um, the defenders getting in the wrong side. So, yeah, we, we shall definitely see. It'll be an entertaining game, at least, I think, uh, uh, the Leicester one, um, particularly if United are feeling on song as they were this past week. Um, 
that's it for this week guys remember um, to get probably be a little bit too late for Christmas now but um, you can treat yourself if you get any Christmas money with a 10% discount uh, with classic football shirts with TOTD10 as the, the checkout code there um, also as a little Christmas gift we'll be giving away a copy of my book 7475 which is um, a look a look at United's second division season um, back in the yeah, 70s where um, they were relegated after Dennis Lowe's infamous back heel and then, then came up after playing teams like Leighton Orient and, and York City that was a book I, I published five years ago um, was with the help of all well all the main players from that team it was great um, great fun to work on that and um, hopefully a nice read as well so we'll be giving a copy of that away um, to anyone who posts a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and shares it with us on Twitter um, it will be on random and we'll need a couple of entries at least so um, I'm not just giving it to one person who reviews um, like I said it'll be a random a random pick um, sometime this week um, or whenever those reviews go on if you enjoyed the show do give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts really appreciate that that's it take care have a Merry Christmas listeners and we'll be back in the new year to talk about United's Christmas hopefully um, maybe one or two new signings that Santa will be bringing us as well Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com this podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.